With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. We want to thank the Dwell app for supporting Made For This. To get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash madeforthis to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. 33% off means you save $50, so make sure to visit dwellapp.io slash madeforthis and commit to scripture for the rest of this year or for life. Ruth, I feel like you are writing the book and releasing the book that you were meant to write, right? This is a life message for you. I think this topic is, is so beautiful and so important and everybody's struggling with it. So in case someone has not heard yet, tell them what the book is about for context. Yeah. The book is called When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the gospel of life transforming grace. Love it. Love it. You know, Jenny, it's really the book that I think I should have, I, I, well, it's the book that I, it's the story that has shaped everything about me, grace laced, Mm -hmm. um, preaching truth to myself and why the gospel has changed my whole life. Okay. So I want to hear, this is a huge part of your story Yeah, and I want to hear it. Like, I want to go you to take me back to where you learned this the first time. Like, where were you confronted with, you know what? I think I'm striving. I know I, what's so fun is I, when my friends are authors, it's so fun them telling stories that I already know. Like I, I know a lot of this because you and I are friends and because I've heard you process a lot of this behind the scenes. Totally. But talk about the first time, like where you go, gosh, I am, I am worn out and I am, I am striving. Well, just for a little context, I was born in Taiwan. I came to the United States when I was almost five years old. And between the two cultures of my Eastern culture, Western culture, I was raised around some norms in Asian American communities where there's a high value placed on performance and getting straight A's and being really the best and doing really well and being the daughter that stands up first and clears the table and being the one that got into Stanford or whatever it is. There's just a lot of high priority placed on showing a lot of honor by living a very good and honorable life. Mm. I think by um, nature, there's a lot there that we can unpack, but I'll just give you the context and that even if I wasn't directly raised to believe that, there was enough about it. And then coming and being an immigrant and striving and hoping that I could belong and that um, even though I looked different than everyone, even though I took the wrong kind of lunches, that somehow I would be welcomed and accepted. And so I really had built this entire language of striving in my life, wanting to be loved, wanting to be seen, hoping that my Chinese family would say, good job, hoping that my new um, American friends would be like, and you know what to bring for lunch. You know, and so all this was coming together throughout my young life. And obviously there's no time to tell all the stories, but I remember distinctly having really clear stories in my life where I knew, like I started hearing about God 
the father. But I was like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to come to God the Father when my father, um, a good man, but when he was not yet saved, definitely indicated that there was really not no coming to him until I got chores done, until I got things taken care mm. of. And I equated that with like, well, my worthiness of being loved or having welcome really has to do with whether or not I clean up my life, do the right things and put in the hours first. And that was just like my, my striving foundation. And so then I go off to college and um, it's a, you know, long, windy path of lots of failures that I was trying to hide and lots of striving that I was trying to present. And I found myself under the teaching of my collegiate, yeah, just a parachurch college ministry. And he was teaching out of of Matthew 5. I'm sure I'd heard it at Sunday school. I'm sure I've heard it somewhere. Um, At that point, I had heard the gospel, but I really hadn't been discipled, didn't really know the cost of discipleship. And um, he started teaching you know, various passages of the Sermon on the Mount, but ultimately got to the point place where he was saying, um, he was sh- describing what Jesus was ultimately saying, you think you can jump this high? Well, mm. you're not even going to make that unless you completely have zero lust in your life. Oh, you think you can um, mm. meet this standard Pharisees? Well, not unless you do it perfectly. And I think that was the moment, Jenny, that was the moment where everything I had held together for so long just crumbled. And I felt mm. so called out. There was no audible voice in the room. I didn't, you know, the, the the collegiate minister didn't look straight at me, but I had a moment where I was like, oh, mm. I, the gospel makes sense to me now. Like there's no, I have zero righteousness. I have nothing that, that really, I can try and I keep, can keep trying to make sure that God is happy with me. My parents are happy with me. Everyone's happy with me. And I'm striving, striving, striving to secure this place a favor, secure this place of assurance, secure this place of belonging. And Jesus's entire message was really like, you can keep on striving and it'll never be perfect enough because the whole picture of the law as you and I know and hold dearly to is that it was meant to show us how incapable we are through our own striving. And so that was really the moment that it kind of clicked for me. Mm. Both of us look really capable to the world. And as you're saying this, you have raising five, six, boys. six. Oh my six. gosh. It just feels like that's too many. Like I know it's a lot, but six boys, young men, many of them mm-hmm. are to that point where you can call they them are. young men and you run a very successful business. You're crazy talented. And yet you're telling us that you have felt like you haven't measured up. And I relate to this. This is a huge part of my story as well. Talk about don't relate to being awesome part, but I do relate to feeling like I don't measure up to that feeling. And I do think that surprises people when they look at your life and they see so much success. And yet that there's still this voice or this haunting feeling behind the scenes that you've had to wrestle with. Here's the thing. We, the reason why our bookshelves are lined with self-help books is because we keep thinking in this generation that everything is external, that the fix, that our problem is external. So we keep reaching for that next bestseller that tells us if we just do these things, if we just set these goals, if we change these these circumstances in our lives, or that even if we have a new mindset, 
we will fix the problem that we have. But the reason why it doesn't matter how many things I achieve, mm-hmm. I ultimately still wrestle with not enoughness on the inside is because it's an internal problem. Right. Because in my sin, I will always think that there's something I should be doing to acquire for myself what nobody else can give me, not even God. And so I ultimately worship my own ability. And that's what striving is. Striving is thinking that you in your own strength and your own ability can secure something that somehow God's not good enough to give you. And that's what happened in the garden and has kept on going on, right? And so if we look at what's going on internally, then the burden I have and the reason why I even wrote this book, because it's not like I'm the first person, clearly we're talking about this because this has been a message on your heart for years. The reason why I wrote this book is because in this exact moment, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you're right. I work on Instagram. I run a business. I am among women who have more opportunities for success, self-made success, more opportunities to speak and lead and influence than ever before. Right. We have more resources. We have more resources in any mm-hmm. generation for self-care, self-improvement, all the strategists, smart people coaching our way. Mm-hmm. But I am looking around and going, I cannot believe how exhausted women are more exhausted, That's more right. anxious, and more fearful than they've ever been. And you can take any poll on the internet and women are going, I just don't feel like I'm enough for all that I need to do in life. And I'm not trying to mock that. I've said that those very things, but my question that keeps coming up over and over again is if we say as believing women, Christ followers, if we say that Jesus is all we need, then why do we walk around as if we're lacking? Why do we walk around as if we're powerless and that the, why do we act as if the gospel is enough to save us and not enough to sustain us? That's the bottom. That's, that's the question that I have to face and say, At some point, we have made the gospel kind of like the cruise ship that makes it a little comfortable for us. It's the cherry on top. We don't think of the grace of God as the life raft, right? Because Mm, really, if if we don't think the problem is inside of us, if we don't feel burdened over the weight of sin, if it doesn't crush us that we are incapable to save ourselves, then we won't think that grace is all that amazing. And we'll spend a lifetime trying to prove that we are instead. Yeah. Well, I was listening to Spurgeon. Everybody listening to the podcast right now is laughing because I talk about this, these weird shows I've been watching a lot. Um, <laughs> basically, I found this honey hole of fantastic, weird Christian content. Like, so I'm watching <laughs> Spurgeon, you know who Spurgeon is. It's his documentary. And he says, it shows some of his sermons, like clips of his sermons mm-hmm. and and what, I mean, not clips, because it was the late 1800s, yeah. but you know, they're yeah. reenacting. And so one of the sermons, I've been really thinking about it a lot lately. And it said, our pride hates the gospel. Mm-hmm. Our pride hates that we are people that did nothing to deserve this, that only the goodness yeah. and beauty and kindness of God has redeemed us and not anything in ourselves, you know, which, which we know the verses, we know that it was not our works. So lest anyone yes. should boast, you know, those are the, the verses I grew up memorizing in Awanas, right. But, but there is still in our flesh, a deep desire to, he even said, it is offensive to our flesh that Absolutely. we are offended that we didn't do anything. Yeah. And once we somewhat understand that grace is a gift, we somehow, like Piper says in future grace, we start wanting to pay him back. We start wanting to 
put mm. God in our debt by being like, well, look at how many hours I've been studying my Bible. Look how I've served. I actually didn't yell at my kids one time today, right? I mean, we start thinking somehow that our good works will make ourselves worthy of the gift that he gave. Have you watched The Chosen yet? I haven't, but I saw oh, in your story Ruth. that we can't be friends if I haven't. Oh my goodness. I, 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 I better, go I away. We're going to come back to the <laughs> podcast after you've watched it. But, but here's the deal. And this is what you've got to look for, uh, everybody. Everybody that hasn't watched The Chosen yet, just get ready because I'm not going to quit talking about it. Because honestly, it has been part of my deepest spiritual growth in the last few weeks. And mm. what you're saying was so modeled in this show where the person who plays Jesus is so compassionate. And what you see is chaos all around Jesus. And all these men are trying to prove themselves. It's funny. The disciples really have a theme. In fact, Cooper even caught it. Cooper was like, oh yeah, mom. I was like, well, what do you think about the disciples? Like, what do you think they get wrong? And he said, oh my gosh, mom, they're so arrogant. They think they're better than Jesus. They think they're better than each other. They're fighting all the time. They're trying to be better than each other. And I'm thinking, did you learn anything? But like, he's saying Mm -hmm. it so condescending, right? Mm -hmm. But it's his sixth grade whole life, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. what he does every day of his life is he tries to one up and say the next harsh thing and, and be better than everybody else. And, and yet you see Jesus in the midst of all that. And he's just, he just smiles and he kind of redirects, but he doesn't even, it's like, he's not even surprised and he's not shaming them and he's not disappointed. It's more just that he's wants something better for them. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. what is better about living this way. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul and how he models all the better that you read about all that Paul says that he has on this side of the cross. And I'm going, I want that kind of faith, right? It's so good. And he's like, counts everything else that he had before lost, that he can live under any circumstance. And he's like, I will be content in all these circumstances, all the things that when you were in middle school, we're like tattooing these verses on our hands. And we're like, I want that. I want to be that. But the cost of that really is that he ultimately boasted in nothing of his own efforts and meditated and thought of and rehearsed continually what Jesus had done on his behalf. And that's what, that's for a man who, you know, I say, uh, you know, the Paul, the previously known as Saul, right? I mean, he really, in, as Saul was truly someone who spent a lifetime collecting badges and um, good works and achievements and felt himself the top of the class. And I think, I think what's amazing is that we spend so much time trying to be comforted and feel like we're getting the life we want by putting ourselves in the place of being number one, whatever it is, the best mom, the best daughter, the best Christian. And Paul is literally demonstrating with his life that it is so much better when all those things are seen for what they really are, just unsatisfying, distracting burdens of garbage in our lives. Like that is, that's never able to save us. And so, yeah, how, how do we see it as better is ultimately to do as Paul does over and over again. Every single letter he writes to churches, he starts by recounting the glories and the benefits of grace. He reminds Mm -hmm. his reader and himself that Jesus is all and in all and is better than anything we think we can acquire for ourselves. So 
So Dwell is an audio Bible app that Zach and I love using while we're driving around and we've used it for years. You can change the volume on the voice and the background music and even repeat verses to memorize. It's completely customizable. They even have a new feature where you can search the whole Bible for a verse and listen to it with one click. They have so many unique voices to choose from and lots of different translations. What I love is just pushing play and listening to Felix read scripture to me because the way he reads it, it's like I'm experiencing it for the very first time. Verses that I've known, even memorized all my life, and I hear things that I've never heard before just because of the way he reads it. So if you're kind of feeling bored or stagnant with your time with Jesus, this is such a powerful way to kind of refresh that. To put in your AirPods and just walk around the neighborhood to have scripture read over you, it is so unique and it is so powerful. Go to dwellapp.io slash made for this to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. This is one of the first times you publicly talked about your ethnicity in this way. Was that brave for you? I cried through a lot of it. It's not a perfect and neat story. There's a lot of unresolved feelings in a lot of things. I am not like that person who's writing on the other side of everything being perfect, every relationship in my family being just great. But what is brave to me ultimately is for each one of us to not make our stories the centerpiece, but to say, I have an opportunity in a very unique way. Nobody else has my version of being able to lift high the grace of God Mm. through my life circumstances. And mine happens to be one where there's been a lot of brokenness and there's been a lot of chaos prior to knowing Christ, a lot of um, old habits that die hard and a lot of cultural things that don't always make sense in an in-between world. But as believers, we are in an in-between. We are in the now and not yet. We are, you know, both aware completely that we've been redeemed and we have been forgiven, but we have we're still living in a sinful context. And so we have to wrestle through every day how to die to the striving when that's our nature, right? Mm. It's the constant. So it's in my nature to measure myself and measure other people. Let's throw in there someone like Troy and my spouse, right? You know, like it's so easy to measure my children or my spouse or measure other people according to merit and, you know, try harder. Why did you try harder? Can you try a little bit harder on this and do a little bit better? I mean, that's my natural state. And so, yeah, I have to fight it every day. I think that's so interesting. I actually love talking about this part because what you're saying is, you're learning this grace yourself, but it's also as you grow in giving yourself that grace, you're also giving it away yeah. in a bigger way, which, I mean, I think that's one of the results we don't often think about. I think we're all probably pretty selfish in thinking, you know what, we don't want to hit this mark, but we don't think about if we're not accepting the gospel for ourselves, we're probably not going to accept it for other people no. as well. And yeah. so therefore we're going to not just be critical of ourselves. We're going to be critical of other people too. Do you think those two things go together? Absolutely. I I spent quite a bit of time talking about that and also how hard it is to forgive others if you can't receive the forgiveness of Christ. But I think it's really interesting because in our vernacular and the way we talk to one another, sometimes we say things like, oh, give yourself some grace. And and that what that means is cut yourself some slack, relax, you're doing just fine. And I've been breaking down that thought in my own mind saying, because I spent so much time looking at what the Bible says about the grace of God, the one thing that Jesus came to really give us, it's gotta be pretty amazing, right? We sing amazing grace, but am I really that amazed? 
Or am I really do, going, Lord, please make me so amazing that I won't need grace? I mean, that really is what I found myself saying in my own heart, in my own mind. And so if we stop and use this phrase, give, give yourself a little grace or give your kids some grace, what if we actually did that literally and said, I'm going to give myself a big dose of the truth that Jesus paid it all that I have been absolutely redeemed. The price, the penalty for everything I'm incapable of has been paid for through the blood of Christ. It's so costly, but free to me. And so I am no longer measured by what I do right and what I do wrong. If I, if that's what it meant to give myself a little grace, I think it wouldn't mean lay back, um, you know, be lax, chill, just cut yourself some slack and go take a nap. I mean, it could mean that, but it also means a renewed heart to say, oh, now I have power to go forth because I know from where I have the ability to obey and strive in grace instead of strive in my own strength. So freeing. And it sounds lovely because, and I think as much as Spurgeon is like, this is hard and our flesh pushes against it. Gosh, I just love that it's true. I just love yeah. that we don't have to measure up. I've never understood the Instagram messages that are telling me I'm enough. I'm like, no, I'm not, but I don't have to be. And that's like, that's the gospel is that we don't yeah. have to be. So talk about just how you've seen this, even in your mothering and like with your boys, your six boys, yeah. how I can't imagine. I mean, they do. I will say Ruth, they do seem pretty perfect. I mean, near perfect, but I know they're not because they're boys. Well, right? you also, you and I weren't we don't have the privilege of having been friends 10 years ago, right? We're, we're new <laughs> right. friends. And so, I mean, I started right. the hashtag motherhood is sanctifying because- um, It was a mess I, back then? Oh yeah, because the, I mean, <laughs> if anyone sees children who seem responsive, it's kind of the fruit of some years of a lot of years. Right. That That's good. Right? So, so I'll just always throw that out there because I don't want to pretend and say, you know, my children are, are exhausting in the same way they were 10 years ago. They aren't. But I think that we all can say, yeah, there are hidden years of a lot of labors. Even now, there are some hidden conversations that I'm not posting all about all the time. But yeah, motherhood for me has been a time where, well, it's been almost 20 years of motherhood for me. And so I have seen such a change where initially I remember, and I'll, I know you'll remember this too, but do you remember all the books that kind of told us exactly how we could get our kids to nap right and how we could discipline them right and how we could teach them right. And there was always this pressure. And that was before Instagram. That was right. before everybody oh, yeah. posted the kind of dinners they made while they ran a company, while they had a three hour quiet time, while they, you know, like right now it's like, dang it. Oh, and your house looks that good too. Right. I mean, this was before then, but even then there was this feeling that there was a right way to do it. And if you don't do it the right way, your whole life was going to fall apart and your kids were going to be screw ups and you might as well just quit right now. You know, and, and for some totally. of us strivers, I'm a recovering striver. For some of us, certainly it felt like if I can't nail it, then I shouldn't, I, I'm just not doing the right thing. Don't think that I don't struggle with that. Some of that cue, the if gathering time when I failed, failed, quote, failed on stage. I mean, that was a perfect example of how God uses something that I think makes a fool out of me, makes me look completely like, like I don't know what I'm doing, that I'm weak, that I, sh I was the wrong girl for the job. And he uses that to declare mm, that it was, it was incredible. Y'all my, it was never about my ability. So that's motherhood for me. It's kind of like that time 
on the if stage. It's kind of that time where I'm like, I've studied, I've prepared, I've even prepped my paints, I've gotten everything together, I'm ready for this motherhood thing. And you know what? The next time you hit your brother, I'm going to do it this way. And then all the mamas say, no, you're not, because it doesn't work that way. In fact, you're going to forget what to say. You're going to say something mm-hmm. that you go, wait, you didn't get that at all. And this perfect Paul David Tripp moment actually didn't turn out the way you thought it would be, you know, in parenting. And you're like, why did I make a mess here? And over and over again, why I say motherhood is sanctifying is because every day that I get to mother these six men of mine is a day that I recognize that my need for the gospel is put on display Mm -hmm. every single day. It's a day that I get to somehow verbally say and say through apologies, say through my life that um, you're not the only one who needs the grace of God. Mama needs Mm. it. So good. You're right. I think there's something about our mistakes that are probably our best moments as much as we never would have saw that coming when, when our kids were little, we would have thought, Let's try not to mess up. <laughs> yes. Like if I keep a perfect track record, they'll they'll be sheltered and great. But instead, man, motherhood, marriage, running an organization or trying your hand at doing whatever it is that God's called you to do that you feel kind of inept at. I think that's the point. Mm. That is the point to say, I am inept at this. There is nothing apart from God working through me. Do I really have... Uh, anything to offer that's going to take this and take it all the way to the end. And so that kind of, honestly, it keeps me alive every day. It keeps me at a place where I'm grateful for um, the times when I let people down. I don't welcome it, but when I let people down on my team or otherwise, when I have to say, I'm sorry, when Troy and I aren't getting along great and we really have to go on a date and repent. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are good times to remember that this is not a message to save us. It's a message to sustain us. Well, and I think every time I write about anything, it seems more heated around that topic. Like how has the enemy (laughs) attacked you even in this season with this very thing? Okay. Well, a clear example would be that I'm sitting here going into launch season and I am having to remind myself of the very message that that I wrote about. I am about to be on camera to record these things and it would be literally the easiest thing for me to think nothing of the actual message and everything about the quote performance, right? Like, oh my goodness, does everything look perfect? Do I have these lines written perfectly? Am I going to make a fool of myself Mm. here? What if I don't do a good job? And none of those things actually make Jesus the center point, the, the focus the hero of what I'm doing here. It's like Mm. Ruth has to come in and save the day because it's going to flop if Ruth doesn't do a great job. And so Mm -hmm. my goodness, throughout this whole process, I've, I've really been gripped with how much um, I'm, I've got to live it out as I go. Mm. Yeah. It's so ironic. Like you'll be, I remember with nothing to prove this, that you'll be, um, you know, two weeks in and, and they'll be reporting the sales <laughs> right on a yeah. book about letting go of performance. Yeah. And you're like, Hey exactly. guys, like maybe on, just on this project, we could not do this. Okay. Like let's just <laughs> let go of this. <laughs> I mean, really? So anyway, I, I think the message is so needed. I think you are the perfect one to write it, girl. This is where we find ourselves. Um, the reason we're doing this season currently right now, even though this is a project I wrote years ago yeah, is because 
I do think there's a unique moment in the waking up of the world from quarantine that we have a chance to rebuild our lives and to really mm-hmm. rethink how it is we want to find our worth and our value, which will affect how we spend our time, which will affect how we Absolutely. love our people and and everything we do. So I just think the timing is really powerful that you're releasing it right now. And, you know, I, I think everyone got a little bit of a, you know, restart here. And, yeah, and my hope is that we restart it and it brings life and peace. So as we end, what would you say, Ruth, to the person who is spinning and tired and wants to believe that this way of life is possible? I'd say, brother, sister, Jesus offers a yoke that is easy and light. And what that means is you probably don't even realize that you are trying to climb a mountain with this load on your back. It's just so heavy. It's weighing you down. And Jesus is truly offering to take that load and carry it for you. And so I'm such a visual person that I would say, I encourage you to take your eyes off of all the ways in which everybody else's load seems light and that you just need a strategy for how to lessen your load in a way by bettering yourself so that you could be more strategic, faster, run harder, be more savvy and recognize that that load was never meant for you to bear. And so freedom is on the other end of surrender. Ruth, will you pray for us? Yeah, absolutely. Dear God, thank you for being enough. Thank you for being everything that we could not be. Jesus, you loved us so much that you literally came um, and walked these dusty roads, these exhausting, weary roads with us to live a perfect life that we could not live. Father, thank you that right where we are in this post-pandemic, languishing, exhausted, how do we reset our lives kind of days, Lord, thank you that you give us a better way than us strategizing our way to a better life. Father, I pray for that person who is listening right now, who is trying to hustle his or her way to the best version of themselves. And I pray, Father, that you would just cause them to stop even today and return to the grace that you offer through your son, Christ. And Father, I pray that you would help us all to grasp what it means that you welcome us, that you cause us to draw near, that none of our um, welcome into the throne room of grace is dependent on our good works, our straight A's, our striving. And as we discover that freedom, Lord, cause us to run, and this time, running with the power that only grace as our fuel can give us. And may we be heartily and obediently and passionately available and active in our Christian lives that we might impact this generation, but cause us to do that in your strength and not ours. We trust you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today for this conversation with Jenny and Ruth Chow Simons. We are huge fans of Ruth's over here, and she has a new book coming out in October called When Strivings Cease, and it is the book we all need in this season of kind of entering into new territory this fall, and this is the book we should start with, so go grab that everywhere books are sold, and we will make sure to put all of her info in the show notes as well. 
Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.